0: Good morning. Glad to have everyone here this morning. And I like the fact that we've got a safe distance (laughs) from you to me in that respect. We are being overly cautious as we know nowadays in that respect. It is a serious thing, but we already know some of the silliness that's come from it as well. We're all glad we're all here today. As we had looked at in our class this morning as we were looking at the fact of looking in the past, into the present, into the future. We are people who, when we compare ourselves to the Word of God, are always hoping and praying with God's help, God's wisdom, that we are growing as we should do every day as a child of God. And we all know at times that growth seems to be more apparent in some people than it does in others. That we see them growing stronger and we look at them and wonder what they are doing that's helping them to grow stronger. And we look upon them for help, for guidance and what they are doing that we can do the very same thing in our own lives. We want to look at an individual like that this morning. You all know him. To me, he's my favorite apostle. Because I say to you, he is the most human of all of them when you think about him for a moment and the way he was and what he became. You all know him because he is known simply to us as Simon Peter. We know this man because he not only was the apostle in Christ, we can truly say this man was a work in progress. We could add to it even he was a construction zone for a moment. Let's take some time to compare this man this morning. From when he was as a young man as we see him introduced unto us, and then we read about him as an older man as as he writes his epistles that adorn the New Testament. We look at a man who we would say had was definitely a life of change, or we might even go as far as say a life of great change when we compare where he was to where he became. He was essence being described as a reed blowing in the wind to an unmovable rock, a pillar of strength and a pillar of courage to all that would read and follow his life. If you know much about him in his early days, we're quite familiar with the things that he did as a young man. Impulsive, yes. And Matthew 14, he walked on the water. Basically, seeing his master come toward him, You know, Peter, I've got to do the same thing. Did Peter walk on the water? Yes, he did. But what caused him to sink? You know the answer. When you think about him for a moment, when he was up on the mountain of Transfiguration, when he watched this great scene of Christ and Moses and Elijah, first thing he comes out of his mouth: "Let's build three tabernacles." You know, here's Peter. Let's make this a great occasion. Let's do something to remember it. Matthew 20, uh, John 21 that is, what did he do when he saw Christ on the shore? He jumped out of a boat and swam to be the first one there to greet him. But he was also presumptuous. You remember back in Matthew 16, his presumption seemed that he rebuked the Lord and what he was saying. And John 13 and 8, he, there he rebuked the Lord again by telling the Lord, You'll never wash my feet. And Matthew 26, he also declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Learn one thing from Peter, don't ever say never. <laughs> but this was Peter. At times he was self-seeking. And Matthew at 19, he said, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? This was Peter. This was a man we all knew at times if we would say engage the mouth before he engaged his mind. But this is him. Yet at the same time we remember him because of two things, two places. Matthew sixteen, sixteen, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And John 6, 6, said, We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Those two times he confessed before all that were there, this is the Son of God, this is the promised Messiah. But yet at the same time, we remember, who denied the Lord? Who denied Him? The very same person. But what makes all of this interesting to us? It makes us, if we look at him, as we might say, the most human of all the apostles, Jesus saw in this man something that we would never be able to see. And what Christ saw in him, he saw a man who was a reed that was being bent in the wind, but this man had qualities and potential that were far greater than anyone else could ever imagine. So Jesus said unto him, "You're no longer Simon; you are Peter." And from that day forward, he was known as simply his name means the Rock. But what we find about Peter later, he would prove to, he would prove the fact to all that he was that Rock, that he became the very thing that Christ said he wants to be, that he saw in him of that character and being that Peter could become. Yes, this impulsive presumptuous, self-serving, and cowardly Simon would become the courageous and unmovable rock for the cause of Christ. He would become that. But here's the point. Peter didn't change when his name changed, did he? He didn't change when his name changed. It took time. It is the same with us, is it not? We wear the name, just because we wear the name of Christ does not mean that we're all that we ever will be or become because we are still growing every day as long as we live on the face of this earth. We never stop growing as a child of God. We too can grow. We too must mature. We too can change. Let's listen to Peter as he says this, that he grew in his own words. You know the passage. Second Peter, chapter one, beginning with verse five. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply of moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who likes these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make, uh, make certain his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. What do we find? From these verses we learn, we're going to learn a lot about Peter and about ourselves. Peter says, to begin with, in order to grow as a child of God, to wear that name Christian, you have to first of all give all diligence. Give all diligence. When the Lord called Peter in the beginning, Peter was committed but he wasn't as committed as he would be later in his life, and we all know that. Because Peter teaches us one thing in the beginning. Leaving behind the physical things is not as hard as having to give up the things Peter would have to give up to grow as a child of God. Peter had to leave these things behind. Physical things is easy. This was harder. He had to leave behind his temperament that impulsive, presumptuous, self-seeking attitude that Peter had about himself, that had to go away. His pride. Replace it with humility. You see, washing his feet was an eye-opener for this man. He was real eye-opener. His religious and ethical prejudice, it took a miraculous vision, we well know, and a revelation for Peter to begin to overcome his prejudice toward the Gentiles, and we read in Acts chapter 10. Yes, even to us, when we choose to follow Christ, it is easier at times to give up friends or family or possessions than it is to give up the flaws that are in our character. So Peter was able to grow, so can we. But remember, it took time. It takes commitment, and it takes willingness to make that sacrifice. Peter did, and so can't we. But it also takes with that diligence and initiative. You remember on the shore in John 21, him and Christ were having a private conversation. And Christ told him three times to feed, or to tend, or shepherd my feet, the sheep. He spent the rest of his life doing that very thing. He spent the rest of his life making sure those he come in contact with knew about the God, Christ who came to this earth and lived and died for us. We see from Acts 2 going forward, the great things Peter was able to accomplish for the cause of Jesus Christ. Yes. One thing we can say about Peter, when he started preaching, he never quit tending to the sheep of the calls of Jesus Christ, but in order to grow, he tells us, the first thing is necessary is faith. Why? Because this is the foundation for everything else. It is the foundation for everything else. There's never been any progress made in any aspect of life. It'll make no difference what it is. There's never been anything accomplished without what? Faith. Did it not take faith for those who discovered America to sail across the ocean when in their time they thought it was flat? Yes. Did it not faith take faith for us to tame the wild west of our own country? Did it not take faith for our founding fathers to constitute and bring forth this nation? Yes, it takes faith to do a lot of things in life. No matter what it may be, we always hear ourselves, we're going to launch out in faith and accomplish this. But notice what the Hebrew writer said biblical faith is. It is what? The assurance of things hoped for, the convictions not seen. Peter's faith grew because he walked with the Master. Our faith grows because we can walk with Peter as he walks with the Master. Through the eyes of faith, when we open this marvelous New Testament, we can watch as Peter watched Christ heal the sick and raise the dead. We can walk along with Peter as they go to places that only him, James, and John were able to go and witness. We are with him on the Mount of Transfiguration as he witnesses the fact of Moses and Elijah and that scene there. We are in the garden as Jesus is praying and crying, we are there with Peter when they crucified him on the cross and he was buried. We are there when Christ ascended. That is biblical faith. We can walk with Peter through everything that he witnessed through our eyes of faith, through the Word of God. But he didn't stop there, did he? He said, then we've got to add some things to that faith. We've got to add virtue. We'll call this moral goodness. Christianity doesn't exist without it, does it? If there was no moral goodness in being a Christian, why would we be so? We may be no different than the world. But we are different because there is moral goodness. We all know that many Christians have had a hard time in their life overcoming this very thing in their own selves. That their growth is stunted because they have a hard time giving up those things of moral goodness. How many times do we, through the letters of Paul, do we find him writing to the congregation and the individuals and telling them to do what? To flee the immorality. So Peter says, in order to grow as a child of God, add virtue. Peter would know something about this. Because who was it that cursed and denied that he knew the Lord? And let's not say that he cursed, let's just put it straight out, he cussed. Just put it straight. He cussed as he denied the Lord. These come out of a heart that was not yet morally pure, was it? So what we're saying, give diligence to purify our hearts and our actions. But add to your moral goodness, we'll call it knowledge. We'll call this one moral wisdom. The knowledge that Peter is discussing here, as you well know, is to reckon, the ability to recognize error from truth. The ability to look at God's words we looked at earlier this morning as the mirror of the soul to compare ourselves unto it and correct the errors in our lives that we may walk uprightly before all. But Peter had a problem, did he not? In Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes about that incident. When he was eating with the Gentiles and when the Jew, Jewish brethren came, he separated himself from it. Peter had not quite overcome his prejudice toward the Gentile world. And Paul says, I rebuked him because he was to blame for what he had done. Not only did he walk off, he carried some of his own brethren with him. This is a fall, Peter says, it's in my character that I had a hard time with overcoming those prejudices in my life. So Peter's warning us, you need moral wisdom in order to see the wrongs, correct them, and move forward. But also he says, add that moral wisdom, self-control, or we know a lot of times is temperance. Mastering of the desires, mastering of passions, that's exactly what it's talking about here. And we might add to that is Peter's telling us himself as a walking example: there is no excuse for not having self-control. There is no excuse. Peter says, "I understand and know that we have to be careful of the company that we keep. We have to be careful. Why? Because, as Paul reminds us, what corrupts good morals? Evil company." You remember when Peter denied and cursed that he even knew the Lord, where was he at? In the wrong crowd. With the wrong people. They caused him to do that very thing. Then he says, then add to that patience. Faith that endures. We'll call this being unswerving in our deliberate purpose. Loyal to the faith even through severe trials, we will not give up on God. You remember in that private conversation that the two of them had on the Sea of Galilee in John 21. Christ told Peter many years before it ever would happen, Peter, you will suffer in your death. He didn't tell Peter how he was going to die. He just simply said, you're going to suffer. In spite of knowing that he would have a hard death. In spite of knowing that it must be going to be a death that's very extremely cruciating and painful, Peter continued to do what Christ wanted him to do. He was faithful to his mission and never gave up preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you know why he told us to understand when he says, "If anyone suffers as a Christian, he would say, I know. Add to that enduring faith, we call it godliness. We call this one faith and submission. This is what we would refer to time at times being reverence or respect or devotion toward God. It's a reverence that God gives us the initiative to do to set aside our will and do his will. Again, we look at Peter. He's the example. What happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? When you witness what he did on that occasion, first thing I have to let's be three tabernacles. Let's make this a grand occasion for what we're witnessing here. But wasn't it the Lord who reminded Peter, this is my beloved son. Hear him. In other words, God was telling Peter, you may think you've got a grand idea, but this is my will. My son is the one who's speaking. My son is the one to be listened to. Peter had to learn respect for what God says. He had to learn, as it were, that we do what God says instead of what we want to do. He had to learn it the hard way. Then we said, add to your godliness brotherly kindness. We understand this. This is simply what we would say, kindness to our brethren, or kindness to those around us in the world that need our help. Christ simply called it, love our neighbor. <laughs> it's very simple. Love your neighbor, love yourself. But who cut off the ear of the high priest servant? Apostle Peter. So basically, Peter would say to us today, how many ears have you got to cut off before you learn what brotherly kindness is? He could tell you firsthand. Then he ends it all by simply saying, add to brotherly kindness love. This, that love described in the Greek as being the self-sacrificing love. Its definition simply says that it seeks the highest good of others over self. Whenever this word is used with God, when God says God loves, this is the word that's always been used. It is the supreme form of love. But yet, at the same time, it can be a probably one of the most difficult loves to to grasp understanding to carry out. Again, we're going to go back to the Sea of Galilee. Again, we're going back to that same private conversation with Peter and Christ. Christ asked Peter three times, Do you love me? And all three times Christ used the word agape. The first two times Peter answered that question he used the Greek word phileo, which is simply like brotherly kindness, or I love you like a brother. In essence, we can say for a moment, Peter didn't get it. I love you, Lord, yes, but like a brother. It is the third time when the Lord asked him that question that John says Peter was upset and said, Lord, you know all things. And you know... I love you. That is when Peter finally used the word agape. It took the Lord to keep asking to get it across to Peter. This is what I mean. I love you. Agape. Supreme love. Self-sacrificing. I love you. And it took the third time for Peter to catch on what he's talking about. Peter would tell you, it was hard for me. Yes, it was hard for me. That's not what the Lord asked him, was it? But Peter would end this list of things to use to grow as a child of God. He would save love for the last one, and it is agape. It took Peter, if we might say, a long time to catch that one and to get it straight in his mind. Did the apostle Peter become the rock? Yes. But it took a long time of growth, struggles, ups and downs, in the Lord's help, in the Lord's hand, that Peter became that unmovable rock that Christ called him. But he concludes with simply saying in verse 9 that we need hindsight. We need, as we looked at earlier, to look back at where we have been. We need to look back and see where we failed ourselves and others in order to be able to move forward and grow as a child of God. But at the same time, we need good foresight to look forward to see what we can help God do as the future years become the present ones. When we are here each Sunday, we need to visualize ourselves and work very hard to be the kind of person God wants us to be. That's what Peter's telling us. We can grow. We can add these Christian graces. And Peter will be the first one to tell you, you don't add one, get it all right, and then add the next one. You add them all every day, as long as you live as a child of God on the face of the earth every day we can grow and we too can also be a rock like Peter was for the cause of Jesus Christ but remind ourselves as Peter does that it takes commitment, it takes sacrifice and it takes an initiative to give that diligence to take that bedrock of faith and cause it to grow as we move forward as a child of God Peter was right when he ended. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and his choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Peter, you are the rock. And not only are you a rock, you're a rock to all of us. Because we look at his life, we can see so many things within his that we can see within our own selves. This morning, if you're a child of God who realizes and know you've strayed from the truth, here is an opportunity for you to return back to God to ask His forgiveness. He's promised you, if you will ask for His forgiveness that He has promised you, He will give it. If you'll come with that repentant attitude, asking Him for that, He's promised He will forgive and forevermore forget and hold against you no more. Here's an opportunity to help you look at yourself and make sure, am I growing as I should as a child of God to be that rock like Peter? That the people can look at me and you and ourselves and think, I want to be like it. I want strength. I want guidance. I want to live with the mirror of God's Word. Think of these things while together we stand in while we sing.